website. We come to you every Wednesday, and we're glad, glad to be back here again today. We're talking about employment. We're talking about work. We're talking about the importance of everything that uh, everybody does in their vocation. Uh, just kind of give you a touchstone about where we're coming from in terms of Cominius. Uh, Cominius crosses three bridges. Our first bridge is into the college. We emphasize what we do at IUPUI, helping young Christian college students think Christianly about their subjects and about their academic disciplines. And then we cross into communities, one of the reasons for this radio show we've been doing for three years, and glad to be able to unite communities around Indianapolis. doesn't matter if it's ethnicity, it's linguistics, it's nationality, it doesn't matter to us. And then we also unite culture. We're very interested in connecting to all different kinds of cultural connections, and we're glad for the opportunity to do that. And today we're going to be hearing in our second hour from Earl Hart, who's from Church of the Crossing, and they've been doing some great work there for 10 years, Passport to Employment, and I'm sitting with my co-host producer, H.B. Bell, and he's uh, been at this uh, thing for quite a bit of time, actually uh, doing some employment of his own these days, and glad to have you aboard, brother. Thanks for joining oh, me. Oh, man, awesome, always, and uh, let me just say thank you again. Last Thursday was incredible, as we had the opportunity to broadcast live for the second time down from the... Uh, Legisla uh, legislative session, uh, the opening of the 2019 session and the prayer lunch and just a great, great time. Matt yep. Barnes and, and the work that he's doing down there and combining um, these faith-based leaders with these political leaders is not an easy task. <laughs> oh let me my. put it like that. Isn't that the truth? And we saw an awful lot of people there, uh, folks from different persuasions, different walks of life, Democrats, Republicans, black, white, conservative, liberal, didn't really matter. What was really kind of cool is that we all united under the umbrella of prayer. We were grateful for that manifestation last Thursday, and uh, we're really grateful for the opportunity to connect with folks around the community about all different kinds of work and things. This coming week, we're actually going to be hearing from the president of Right to Life here in Indianapolis, uh, anticipating the emphasis that we have coming up on the 22nd of January uh, in honor of all of those children who have been uh, killed in the womb, 60 million babies. We're talking about the issue of abortion next Wednesday morning. So you'll want to tune into that. Here, the president of Right to Life organization here in Indianapolis at 11 o'clock hour next week. But this week, we are uh, talking about the issue of work and employment. And I thought, HB, just to kind of start things off here this morning, uh, Tell us a little bit about the new uh, direction that you're taking some folks in terms of their ability to uh, learn the technical side of the work process. Well, it's ironic that we're doing this show today and, um, you know, in the last three months, uh, hooked up with a buddy of mine, partner Paul Kelly, and there's a next level grant that Governor Holcomb issued understanding that we have a lack of people um, or a lack of uh, uh, skilled people. Um, in the field of IT and, and, and pretty much entry-level IT skills is what we're doing. Uh, it's called the CompTIA certification. As a matter of fact, um, people who go into the military, the very first course and curriculum they have is this CompTIA training right now because uh, we have made a switch from the industrial age to the information age and we did not adapt well in training, you know, the people for this next phase of jobs. So uh, just fortunate to, to have uh, partnerships. Uh, we just made a partnership with the Bonner Center across the street. And uh, what I'm trying to do, Mark, is take these programs who are already doing high school equivalency testing, uh, career training uh, for new jobs in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, this is an absolutely free 10-week curriculum. 
Um, uh, all you have to do is be a high school graduate, no college degree, and you can be 18 years old to 80 and get some of these skills. And now, mm -hmm. you know, you're able to be back into the workplace. You're, mm -hmm. you're a valuable piece um, to, to the work staffs now. And so we're out here, man, and just putting it out here. Uh, we had un unbelievably Monday was the first day um, of the 2019 sessions out at New Beginnings. Uh, the home headquarters is out at 777 Beachway, which is 10th and 465. And uh, the highest number of people he had enrolled at any one time had been like 24 people. And I am proud to say working with him and putting the effort out there, Polly Riddell and the great recruiters, uh, we went in there and had 53 people enrolled wow. on, on January 7th. Wow. And now we have other agencies who are going to house mm -hmm. the programs to create satellite programs where we can take this program to the people who need it most. Mm -hmm. um, and, and doing eight years of radio and 13 years of nonprofit, Mark, I, I find out a lot of the ingredients that uh, make programs successful and ones that don't. Uh, we have been blessed to have uh, the favorite car Glick Center. They're going to even provide daycare and snacks and food for people who want to do this training, but they couldn't get babysitters. Well, bring your child. We're going to have some food, have some games, have some fun mm -hmm. while you're going to do your three and a half hour training. So just phenomenal, man, what can happen when you go out and say, you're not waiting on anything. You're, you know, you're pushing the envelope a little bit. Mm -hmm. So this is wonderful news. And to hear that you've doubled the amount of folks who are invested in this work. You know, knowing you as I do, it doesn't really surprise me much. You know, well, you're the man. <laughs> well, man, thanks for saying that. But, you know, I, I, I'm so humbled down every time I hear that. I just think that if you wake up and go do what you're, you're designed to do and called to do, um, things happen. Yeah. They happen. And, yeah. and you know, I, I think we force a lot of times what we want to happen instead of just being being graceful about being diligent, being graceful about mm -hmm. um, not ever um, uh, missing the opportunity to, to love mankind, whatever it might be. Yeah. I just think you have to be be graceful and diligent, and yeah. this stuff happens. And right, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the difference between the twentieth and the twenty first century. Uh, when I think about that, I even think about the difference between twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, like you do. And I was just uh, teaching my first class at IEPUI yesterday, and I just changed everything from the last time I taught this thing. So I'm constantly shifting and changing because my students are shifting and changing, yeah. and I'm meeting them where they're at. That's and and we have to, Mark, and I think one of the biggest problems that we have had in this switch and change is we get comfortable. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're a preacher, you know, you know, mm -hmm. pride God hates most, but right after that, complacency, yep. and sometimes we get comfortable. Yep. And don't want to have to stretch ourselves and continue learning and continue to put new uh, bits of arsenal in your in your bag of tricks, mm -hmm. so to speak. And and we just we just don't. And uh, I think that's when we have that gap and that chasm that we have mm -hmm. when it comes to communicating with younger people. When it uh, comes to communicating with different ethnic groups, when mm -hmm. it uh, when you don't have that one ingredient that shows you this is how people are speaking and talking. Yeah. Kind of, you kind of lost in the conversation. Isn't that the truth? Absolutely. Yeah, this is uh, this is a huge issue. We're going to be uh, coming back in just one uh, song break here, but uh, when we do, we want to hit some biblical highlights. One of the reasons why we uh, actually do what we do as Christians is based on Scripture, and so we're going to come back and talk about some of those things in our second segment here. You're listening to Warp and Move Radio, Radio Next. That's TV. amazing. At the cool new site. And every we are day back from Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. We come to you on Wednesdays, and we're glad to be here today talking about the issue of employment. I wanted to spend a few minutes just uh, establishing a biblical baseline for why we do what we do. 
emphasizing what vocation is. Uh, back in 2014, my pastors at my church asked me to teach a series of lessons in the fall on Sundays, uh, specifically around the area of work. And so I taught a series entitled Vocation is Ministry. It doesn't matter what you do, uh, whatever it is uh, God has given you to do, that's uh, the, the crucial component to this. So I wanted just to give a baseline understanding of this. And again, anybody who knows me or hears me talk anytime knows that we always begin in the book of Genesis. So I wanted to go back to Genesis and highlight what is uh, being emphasized here uh, in the book of Genesis about the issue of work and the necessity of it and how God has made us for that. Uh, so probably the very first thing we should say about it, uh, quite frankly, is that uh, the God that we serve is a God of work. He's the one who started everything. He himself actually did the work of creation. And we could go into lots of background to all of that. But specifically, he made us to work. And I think it's important to identify in Genesis 2.5 and 2.15 that the emphasis there is that God placed man in the garden to work it. And the emphasis on work or work it specifically in Hebrew means a joyous, liberating service to God. I'll just emphasize that again. The Hebrew words for work or work it in Genesis 2.15 means a joyous, liberating service to God. So the emphasis is always going to be on uh, who we serve, that is the one who has made us. And yet the thing that he has given us to do is a issue of joy, something that we could fi should find in ourselves. And that, I think, is an important point to make as well. Our identity is not in what we do, but in who we are. I'm going to say that again. Our identity is not in what we do, but who we are. And so we begin with a personhood uh, that we have been given. That is, we are made in God's image. Genesis 1 makes that very clear. Uh, we emphasize that also in Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 and 15. The emphasis, of course, is not just on the uh, work but on the person who is doing the working. So I'm going to put something out there for all of you rap and R&B folks yeah. who want to put this thing no, together. No. I know, man. Here no. it is. This is it. I'm giving you a string. You can jump on this string, twist it any way you want to take it, but I want to hear it sometime in the future. The Creator created creatures who creatively create from creation. I'll say that again. The Creator created creatures who creatively create from creation. So, you know, pick a, pick your favorite artist, uh, pick yourself for that matter. Uh, somebody put this into a rap for me. The creator created creatures who creatively create from creation. I think that would be a great rap, and I think uh, we would actually publicize that on this channel. What do you think about that, HB? You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I try to be sane on the show, <laughs> but you know, when I thought about you and your favorite rap song, I <laughs> and now you're sitting up here rapping, and I said, well, before the 2019 year is over, we're going to get him. We're going to put one down. But, but I think that that is relevant, uh, what you're talking about. I, I think too many times that we do just go to work. Mm. Um, and we don't take it serious like it's our ministry and we are not passionate about mm. what we have to go do to maintain and sustain. And, you know, it clearly states in the Bible, man, when you love what you do, you are never at work. Yeah. You know, you're, you're putting your part into back into this environment mm. that you're supposed to give. And it, it, it just has a lot more relevance when you do that. And, and too many times we're just settling for it. We're not understanding or finding out what we're designed to be or where our passions lie. Uh, we go to work five days a week for 40, sometimes 50 hours, and we are just mad. 
that has no positive influence in right. the, in the world we That's serve. Right. When you start out every day, yeah. and you go and you're just <coughs> mad, yeah. It, you you can't serve this community properly. You can't serve your family properly. You can't sell the, serve the church environment that you say you want to have properly because mm-hmm. your mindset is totally uh, uh, bent against harmony. <laughs> Yesterday when I was when I was teaching, I walk into class, you know, and everybody's on their phone. Nobody really wants to talk to anybody. These folks don't know each other, so I start doing my thing. You know, I'm a I'm you know part of teaching. Let's just be honest about what I do as a teacher. Part of teaching is an actor. So, you know, it's a creative bent. There's an artistic form to this. And the way that I teach is, if you ever watch me teach, I kind of become unglued in the classroom. And uh, it took took a few minutes, but they finally warmed up to the idea that maybe I wasn't like most of their other professors (laughs) that just kind of boxed it and dialed it in, radioed it in, whatever. Uh, I actually think that... uh, that doing this stuff with joy and doing your passion with joy and not being mad about it. I mean, what sense is that going yeah. into a classroom setting like that? My word. You know, uh, and just to, to interject on that, it was, you know, you were talking about this computer training program. Yeah. Um, and it's so weird. I'm more excited every time there's a new person that's signing up who's getting ready to benefit from this than yeah. probably the person who's signing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, now, yeah, that's kind of what I mean when you're, you know, when you're inside your glory and when you're inside your design, mm-hmm. uh, those are the things that move you and motivate you. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about like, when is the pay coming? You don't have to worry about a lot of the stuff because these flowers keep just blooming every day mm-hmm. around. And then you watch people who get it. Yeah. And, uh, in 10 weeks I watched a young lady, um, who actually came in here on the radio show. Mm-hmm. Um, watched her go from being six weeks out of completion to now getting ready to be the instructor. Wow. Paid instructor up at the Fabi Card Glick Center. Wow. Doing the evening course. I, how nice. powerful is that? You that know, you, you go get this training and now you are the uh, the, the person training That's and right. getting paid for it. So, you know, those are the types of things I think, you know, uh, you can revel in when, when you're out doing your work. We do this uh, because we actually believe in the next generation. I know that that you're committed to that as much as I am. Our commitment is to young people and to help them to understand uh, what responsibility is in the workplace, the kinds of things that have to be done in order for us uh, to be, as the world suggests, successful uh, in the workplace. But for us, of course, we're really emphasizing not simply the skills that people bring to the arena, but we're talking about the interior nature of their person So when we see them uh, complete a course or when we see them uh, benefit from some teaching or when we see them get excited about whatever it is that they're learning and then go on, as you well suggest, to become that person who then becomes the teacher in the next step. I mean, that's just phenomenal and and gives you a sense of completion in that sense of things. Absolutely. Well, you know, it gives me for that moment, you know, I tell you, you know, my whole thing is kind of like, you know, what bees are, you know, you know, you. You go, you pollinate, and, you know, you do it and then go do it again. Mm-hmm. And, and you go and you pollinate and you go do it again. So there is really never an end to this excitement. You yeah. know, every day is a whole new chance to, you know, go do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of where I lie. You know, I, I I told you, I don't, celebrations and stuff like that are cool for some people, man. I, I get off just every day yeah. knowing that there here's another chance to go pollinate and do it all over yeah. again. Planting seeds, that's a huge metaphor for us, and well, we, we understand that the seeds that we plant, we may never see the, the fruition of, we may never see its ultimate growth, or the fruit that comes from uh, the seeds that we planted in somebody else's life, but to know that 
that's actually taking place is sometimes uh, one of the greatest uh, responses that we can have to the teaching endeavor that we're engaged with, no matter what it is that we're teaching, doesn't really matter. So for you in the, uh, in the tech area of life or getting people to understand what it means to have a business, uh, for me in uh, teaching theology or education or literature or writing, uh, any of those things, uh, our interest is in constantly planting seeds into the next generation. I just mentioned this because we're talking about it here this morning, uh, and that is that uh, I've been asking some of my students to tell me about some of the experiences they had throughout the years uh, with me as an educator. So I went back to the 1980s, 1990s, and I'm wow. just sending you know some con communications with students and saying, okay, what? How did the teaching there benefit you? And the responses I get are just overwhelming. Uh, folks that are saying, you know, all the stuff that you taught then, I'm 40 years old now, I've got my own kids, I'm teaching them the same things that you taught me. Those are the things that you really revel in because that's the next generation. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I had the pleasure of witnessing is some of your students who were, the, the current students who yeah. were, you know, getting ready to graduate or a year from graduation and them talking about the impact and the difference of, you know, you being their professor than some of the other professors. And, you know, we talked about this last week, and, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a humorous guy, but I'm serious about it. Everything that we need to have uh, uh, as far as prayer inside workplace, mm -hmm. prayer inside schools, prayer inside learning institutions, we need it there. Yeah. And I said... We always talk about prayer and do this and do that, but then we can't have it in institutions where it's needed most, which is this this melting pot of people who have differences. Right. And the only thing that's going to even make it work is some prayer. Mm -hmm. And then we eliminate it in those types of... And so that's what these kids, when I'm listening to them, these kids are gravitating to the fact that here's a guy that my spirituality matters, my, my faith matters, what it is and how it is and who I am doesn't. And, and he's listening to me. And, and I find that to be the same thing when I work with some of the young people. They're just happy somebody's listening, oh. authentically, genuinely yeah. listening. And uh, it, it, it just amazes me what we fight against and what we need most. One of the things I think we need to talk about in this next segment is uh, about our care for people. So we're going to take a one-song break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the workplace as a place of kindness, a place of generosity uh, to others, uh, that the people who lead workplaces uh, need to be people of grace and love and kindness to others. We'll be talking about that in our next segment. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv, the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. We are back, Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv, at the Cool Groove site. And I wanted to start this, uh, this segment just before uh, we go to the top of the hour. We take a couple song breaks toward the top of the hour. And we are going to be greeting our guest, Earl Hart, who's coming from Passport uh, to Employment from uh, Church of the Crossing. He'll be here with us a second hour of Warp and Move Radio. But um, I wanted to start this second or this third segment of our first hour by talking about an obituary. Now, I know that that sounds kind of harsh, and some people might think to themselves, "Well, here, here goes Eckel talking about death again," because you know I do, I do have you a tendency. Horror, dude. I do. Do have a tendency to talk about death quite a bit, but I wanted to mention the fact that uh, this past week, uh, a great business leader in America uh, has passed on. His name is Callaher. 
He is the president and CEO of Southwest Airlines for years and years and years. He was the one who actually started the airline. And if you know anything at all about Southwest Airlines, you know that they have kept everything cost low. So their costs are very minimal in the sense of they try to make sure that everybody gets the lowest rate. They don't charge for bags in their planes, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they're very free, by the way, with their peanuts and I should say with their crackers and stuff when you're taking flights. So yesterday, in fact, yesterday, I was even telling students about Southwest Airlines because I told them my favorite television commercial of all time is from Southwest Airlines. And I actually acted it out in front of them, which they thought was just a hoot and a holler. And it's, um, it's actually an NFL commercial, and it doesn't really translate well over radio, so I won't even try it here. But I wanted to mention Callaher because uh, one of the other sites that I regularly get emails from is the Harvard Business Review. Now, HBR, or the Harvard Business Review, sends out an email every, every morning, and it basically highlights some of the key articles that they think are important and want uh, business leaders and leaders in general to read. And so one of the key uh, elements of this morning's articles was about Kelleher and his uh, work and leadership at Southwest Airlines. And here's the key to all of this. What I'm leading up to this in this segment. The key to this is that the key to his leadership at Southwest Airlines was kindness. Oh, yeah. He treated people with kindness. Now, HB, doesn't that sound like, you know, maybe the way it ought to be everywhere? I mean, duh. I guess it would be the best adjective I can use to describe that is duh. And, you know, and it's kind of like what I was talking about even back to, um, you know, the consciousness of how we just go about our day. Um, mm -hmm. Kindness should be a consciousness. Mm -hmm. It should be something that, that we practice. It should yeah. be something that is, you know, every day you don't leave home without it. Uh, you know, I say, <laughs> no, good. because seriously... Um, there are so many things that have you can't control this weather. Mm -hmm. You will not be able to control whether your car starts or not. You can't control so many things, and then the things that you can control. I think we just have to we have to practice those things we can control, and being kind is a, a thing that you you can do that every day, regardless sure. of what's happening in your world. And uh, when you do, the results and the and the feedback are, are so much greater than you just walking around always wallowing in your own misery. It's amazing to me when I watch people walk around upset and mad and think that the world really is going to adjust to them <laughs> and their attitude. I, it amazes me. Uh, and, and people do it all the time. Like, I'm mad now. Respond to that. <laughs> My response is I'll stay as far away from yeah, you as exactly, possible yeah. because I'm not going to let that contaminate my happy right, day. Right. And so, you know, that's usually what ends up happening to mad people. Yeah. Um, you know, you end up mad and alone. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned the issue of being mad because Proverbs is pretty clear. That you, in fact, that you should steer clear of the angry person. Absolutely. There's a Absolutely. reason Nothing good happens. I mean, most of the times when you have any type of crime, there was anger mm -hmm. involved. I mean, there was somebody mad. Yeah. Um, and, you know, happy people just don't walk around and say, you know what, I'm happy today. Let me go kill somebody. <laughs> Let me go steal. You know. so, so, you know, that is a, it is a manifested uh, mindset. It mm -hmm. is a, and it, it manifests other things around it that it will never come out good. I, I, even when I played football, I never got mad or angry. I just got smart and tough. Mm. And there's a difference. You know, you, yeah. you can't play mad. No, you, you can't. You know, I mean, so, you know, I, I just don't think that there's really any place um, in society for people to display being mad and think that positive things are going to come mm -hmm. out of it. I, I don't see it. This is uh, 
this really speaks to the issue of others, honestly, uh, because if, if kindness is a necessity in business, then the reason why we should be kind uh, is the emphasis on being kind because we're in front of other people. And then, of course, we have to ask them the next question is, okay, well, who says that others might be important? And now we get to a Christian emphasis. Uh, and it was interesting to me as I was reading the obituary that we find out that Mr. Kelleher actually went to a Wesleyan college. And so I wondered, I, I'm not sure, but I wondered if indeed that Christian emphasis had anything to, at all to do to play in his, uh, how he functioned in his business. Any ingredient, I think, any ingredient that includes uh, uh, Christian or faith-based, and I'm trying to be a little bit more uh, as I as I creep towards the end, uh, you know, I, I'm just so proud to be a Christian. I love my Lord and Savior, but I am also uh, trying to find ways to not discount people who have sure. other faith and beliefs than me, right. and think that I got the carte blanche card. Here right. the so, <laughs> so that's a reason I'm always being kind, being conscious of that yeah. uh, as well. But, but I just think that any time that you include. The, the the being or the power bigger than us mm -hmm. into anything, mm -hmm. anything, we get a better result. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's a half a cup or, or a pint. At any time that we interject Christ or, or people's faith-based heightened sense of understanding, I'm I'm not the person who's running this thing. Right. Uh, I think we just get a better result in all communications, it's, all forms. Yeah, exactly. I, it strikes me as I hear you say those things that one of the things I hear from doctors on a regular basis, whenever I'm engaged with them uh, and the issue of uh, medicine or how do you get better, how are we going to overcome this issue, uh, if prayer is mentioned at all, uh, medical doctors will say, you know, really mindset matters and how you shift in your mindset matters. So if praying for you is good, then that's a benefit. Absolutely. But we can't endorse prayer because we're doctors. And <laughs> but right. yeah. but here, right. let me let me tell you what happened to me this morning. I yeah. wake up and I listen to the Tom Joyner Morning Show, syndicated show, R&B, old school, you know, all up into my culture. Yeah. So uh, great show, great guest. And today uh, they have take one to a loved one to the doctor Wednesday. So they have a different doctor mm. on. Guess what the topic was this morning? Prayer? No. No? Musical therapy. Oh! Brother, I almost <laughs> called you at 6.30 this morning and said, man, if you listen to this, man, because it was talking about how now uh, uh, clinical doctors how are using that? music to help that? people with ailments. And I said, well, I'll be doggone. <laughs> uh, there is a place for me in this world. Uh, you know, and all that syrup on the waffle stuff. Man, she was talking about, and I said, this is what I'm talking about every Saturday morning. And she was absolutely, she said that they have musical therapy now to help people with cancer, mm. to help people who are dealing with post-traumatic stress, mm. people who are dealing with issues that are mm. chronic. Instead, music now has become uh, one, one of the uh, uh, remedies of choice because it has something to do with changing the endorphin level. And then I said, look at Mark. You bought me a shirt. Talk, music is my first language. Right. And, and lo and behold, there is some validity to the fact that uh, the mind and, and the body work together when stimulated by mm. uh, prayer. Music, the, these peripheral influences that, they, that scientists can't quantify. Mm. And, and that's the problem with science. You know, they can do it all and they do it good. But, man, there are some things that you can't qualify or quantify. 
in this big old world called life that we live in. Yep. So that's right. Yeah, that's just interesting. I, and by the way, I would have I was up for a few hours already by that time, so you can call me anytime. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the issue of musical therapy, you know, my first thought is uh, that's exactly what David was trying to do for Saul. Absolutely, trying to calm the savage beast, as it were, you know, with music. Uh, so I, I find it fascinating that music is not something that. Uh, just simply in this culture today in the 21st century, but through all ancient cultures, music's been important. But but think about this. Think about this. If it's therapeutic, mm -hmm. think about how chronic it can be to the mind if it's not if used it's not properly. There. No, no, it's not used properly oh, because used properly. some of the ratchet music, ah. especially I'm listening to the urban young people that I deal with, the music that they're listening to is a is a direct common denominator to some of the things that they do, some of the ways that they act, um, because if it if it can heal, it can help kill. Yeah, I, I, I just I mean, mm -hmm. hey, <laughs> so so I'm thinking mm -hmm. about this and watching it, and I'm you know I told you when I work with my young people, I never go to their music. That's the one thing I don't do. Mm -hmm. I'm not coming to your music. You're coming to my music because mm -hmm. I know your music is dangerous. I know your music mm -hmm. uh, has contaminants in it that mm -hmm. aren't aren't <coughs> positive. Um, and, and words, you know, I mean, we've talked about this before. When you read Genesis, you was talking about Genesis. Mm -hmm. And God said, let there be light. Mm -hmm. First thing ever said by God in the Bible. First time we get a quote from God in the Bible, you said, let there be light. And it was. So if words are that powerful mm -hmm. to create. They are that powerful to destroy. Mm -hmm. and, and so I don't think that we, we, we don't look at things, I think, from a, uh, a, a whole layered level in conversation. I, I had a conversation with Pastor Joy Thornton, and he won't mind me talking about this. And, you know, you and I have had this conversation about uh, slavery and the destruction of a community and mm -hmm. how uh, when I listen to African-Americans talk about slavery, I hear the anger. Mm-hmm. I don't get angry because I try to look at both sides, Mark, just as honest as I can. And I said, imagine the shock to that white slave owner <laughs> when he was told what I was born into and I'm not out here doing from a dogmatic, uh, uh, I'm not out here trying to treat black people bad. I was just born into this and I, let, I left this land and these are the people who've been killing my land and fixing my land. I, I, I try to think and say to people all the time, do you think that Slave owners were walking around just mad mm. and angry at black people versus I was born here. This is our land. This is our business. This is how we run it. And by the way, these black people are the ones that do this work. And, and I think it's the latter. Mm. I just don't think that there was this angry, vindictive, mean-spirited slave owner walking around trying to persecute black people. I think it was, you know most of them were born into that business, and that's what they did. Mm. So... When I think about it, I'm like, okay, oppression and slavery was dog. It, it, it was as bad as it gets. But I don't think that all the people who were part of the slave ownership were dog and like that. I think hmm. they were just as shocked, just as shocked as, <laughs> as, as the black people said, you free. And now somebody telling you can't own them anymore. This is against the law. I'm sure there was a shock going on on both sides. So if we, if we just stop and think about everything that way. The religions we serve. Like I told you, do you not think that the people who are serving in the Jehovah's Witness or people who are Buddhist who are serving their, their higher power, uh, 
aren't aren't true about what it is they're doing and serving and they're ignorant because they don't serve the Jesus. I said, I don't think that. Mm. I, I can't start thinking that way. I've got to think about the other side and say, man, these people are true to their, like I told you, when I see these brothers and sisters out here every morning, mm. I'm more respectful about their commitment and their diligence to their religion than about their religion. Yep. That's not my business. Yep. And I saw that picture the other day, you put that up and I appreciate yeah. the sentiment there. That It's a powerful word. I, I wanted to go back to something you said about uh, singing and specifically uh, about words that, uh, well, you connected it to Genesis and the first words that God uttered. What's really fascinating to me is a statement out of the book of Job in Job 37 where it says that when God established the foot, the foot, uh, I'm sorry, the foundations of the world, that the angels sang. Yeah, yeah. So music, here, music is so intertwined throughout scripture. Yes, yes. It, it, is like, it, it is like bread inside the scripture like so seamlessly <clears throat> that it is part of what we are supposed to be digesting. So take this. This is really an interesting little factoid. In 2004, astrologers actually discovered a black hole that emanates a, a B-flat sound 57 octaves below middle C. I heard that. So the question then comes, who's listening? And the answer has to be obvious that the God who made all things is the one who is being praised by the creation that he makes. And, of course, that goes all the way back to Psalm 146 through 150. So we see those kinds of things happening in creation. We're not surprised by them. Mm -hmm. uh, we certainly give credence and credit for where they, they got, come from, Genesis, of course. Uh, this is the crucial concern of ours this morning. Man, listen to the, uh, the communication of whales, the music that they mm -hmm. make in their communication patterns. is unbelievable. When you mm -hmm. listen, it is music yeah. is what's going on. And, yeah. and I said, this is unbelievable. Different tones, different levels, different pitches. Mm -hmm. I said, this is crazy. But, you know, we don't, we don't acknowledge those miracles, mm -hmm. uh, Mark. And, and, you know, I tell people all the time, I, you know, the spiritual man woke me up, the book that I read, and was telling me about how um, God will not show his face to us. We mm -hmm. are so undeserving of the God that created us to now where we are and all the uh, idolatry and all the things that we cherish more than we cherish this gift of life and stuff. We're, we, we don't deserve to see mm -hmm. the face of God, so to speak. But if you do right, he'll he'll grant you miracles, but you have to be keen on those miracles. Mm -hmm. You have to know when they are and where they are. And uh, I think we always wait for explosions <coughs> to happen for our miracles instead of these everyday gifts that we right. get um, in the world we live in. The miracles that happen right in front of your face and you just walk by and act like it was nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody walks in the door and you walk out the door and they smile and you're not catching that miracle. That's your business. Mm -hmm. I'm catching it. Because those are the miracles, those are the Red Sea partings and the burning mm. bushes of today. Because yeah. uh, we ain't going to get those no more. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we don't deserve those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a whole mindset shift right there. The whole concept of, uh, I hear people say, you know, if I had seen what the Israelites had seen, well, they saw it and still rebelled. Yeah, so. yeah that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what, would, what would you do today when you think you're yeah. your God? Right. And, and I tell people all the time, when you don't believe in God... You think you're your God, mm -hmm. uh, bar none. You think you are the last straw in the decision-making process <laughs> when you don't believe. Um, and I, I have a friend of mine, and he's on Postbook, and I, he's, he's reaching so hard and searching so bad, man. And I, you know, I don't like to comment on social media. Uh, I said, but if I ever had a chance just to sit down with this brother, you know, I'm going to let him know it's okay to love something you don't understand, bro. Mm. 
he don't understand, but you got to read first, yeah. and then you got to have faith, which means if you can't see it, you got to believe in something. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're gonna you're gonna have to give that up to get what you want back. That peace yeah. comes from I believe in this God that I've been taught about, yep. but I ain't had a chance to see, right? right. But right. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. That's right. That the reason I get this chance is because of that. And when you do that, you get peace. And I'm like, if you fight it, you're going to be miserable every day. You're going to try to figure out another reason this God don't exist mm -hmm. instead of just rolling over and saying, okay, let me, let me take it all in. And God, the stuff I don't understand, please bring it to me. <laughs> you know. That's right. So we emphasize the two great distinctives between us and God. That is that we are fallen and finite. If we were eternal, that we would be God. If we were perfect, we would be God. But we're neither, and that certainly is the separating line for us. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Group site. Today we're talking about the subject of work and the concept of uh, employment, the importance of all of that for all people. In our second hour, we are having our guest come in, Earl Hart from Passport to Employment, and his uh, focus on Church of the Crossing has been for the last 10 years to help people become employed uh, where they are and looking for the jobs that fulfill them as, as people. We're going to be taking a two-song break. And, one and we're back. Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday, and we're glad here today to be talking about the subject of work. And so in studio with us today is Earl Hart from Passport to Employment. Earl is uh, functioning, uh, his function is at Church of the Crossing, uh, which is over uh, 465 and Allisonville, as I recall. Is that right? It's Keystone. 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 Yeah, well, we're, we're on, the, on the north side anyway. So we're really glad, Earl, for your presence here today with us. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, for the time you're spending to get the word out about what you all do there. So I wanted to start with uh, just general comments about why don't you just t tell us about yourself, your family, uh, about the church, for instance, and kind of big picture forecast of who Earl Hart is. Well, my background is is that I come from a military background. Okay. Uh, with my father in the Navy, my grandfather mm -hmm. in, in, in the Army, uh, along with a large number of relatives. So through while I was born in Long Beach, California, uh, during my youth, I went to 10 schools in, in tw wow. 12 years. Wow. Um, went to University of Iowa on a military scholarship, ROTC, therefore served in the service of Captain United States Army with service in Vietnam and mm -hmm. then the reserves afterwards. Okay. Um, decided not to make it a lifetime career, didn't like being shot at. <laughs> um, and as, as a result, um, I went to work for Sears Roebuck and Company. Hmm. In that point in time, we moved 14 times in 32 years and wow. was um, a district manager responsible for Sears service for the state of Indiana. Hmm. Uh, they wanted to, me to move one more time, and I took an early retirement since they were reducing in force. And I ended up, uh, I was here. We love Indiana. For those folks that have never lived elsewhere, they don't know the blessings they have mm -hmm. when it comes to taxes and mm -hmm. uh, people in general yeah. as far as their attitudes and friendliness, etc. cetera. Um, I also then uh, worked for the Amish 
hmm. and helping is the first general manager of the Amish furniture stores, which are now called Simply Amish, and hmm. suggested to them that they do a franchising or put their product, rather than build stores, put their product into existing, existing stores. stores. Uh, and did so, so we franchised it from Colorado to Georgia. Mm. And then um, I worked uh, for a company known as Pacvan. Uh, they are in the, uh, they provide modular buildings and mobile construction mm. offices, mm. initially responsible for the branches in Las Vegas, Phoenix, Nashville, Memphis, Orlando, and Tampa decided I didn't like the travel and being gone all the time, um, ended up taking over the branches in Indiana. Hmm. Um, when I retired at the, uh, I'm married, I have two daughters, uh, each have two, provided us with two grandchildren. <laughs> uh, we're very family oriented. Um, and it, as a result, uh, though, the fact that we live here, uh, one happens, one of my daughters lives in Carmel and the other in Cincinnati. So while when I retired in t the end of 2007, I frankly did not think about moving south because, <laughs> again, we'd rather be around with, with them. So um, that, that being said, that's really my, my background. Um, at the beginning of 2008, first week, I received two phone calls. One from a good friend of mine who was running a small manufacturing plant and said, I got to close it because if I don't close it now, I'm going to owe people money. I can't pay bank and I mm -hmm. can't do that. An hour later, I received another phone call from a, another good friend who said, you won't believe this. I just got off the phone with my company. They said, today's my last day. They'll get back to me with details and hung up the phone. And they said, we have no idea what we're going to do. Who do you know that might help me? Wow. So I had nothing to do. I'm newly retired. So I sent about 180 emails. Wow. And I sent across the country and I said, I have two friends. This is their backgrounds. And within six weeks, we had them back to work. When you hmm. do that, the difficulty is, is other people said, well, if you're helping them, <laughs> can you help my son, my wife, my husband, etc." And I'm not a career counselor. Mm. And it bothered me giving out advice that I didn't know about. So I began a process that I learned in business. If you want to know something, go to your customer. Ask them what they want. So I began mm -hmm. interviewing talent acquisition managers, recruiters, HR managers, and hiring managers, hire all the time, and say, what is it you want? Because what is on the internet doesn't happen to be accurate because the copyrights are three to five to ten years old, and so you get old information. Um, I noticed that there were, came across 12 people at Church at the Crossing that were unemployed beginning in 2008. I went to the pastors and I said to them, do you know we have these 12 people? And they said no. And that's not unusual because at that point in time there was a shame factor. Mm. Oh, I'm, so people were very quiet about it. And they said no. And I said, I think we need to do something for them. And the response I got was, we're not career counselors. We don't think about that. We do believe what you say is true, but we don't have, plus our platters are full. And that's not a judgment against these pastors. 
because their plates were full, all right? And no, they didn't have the background. And I wasn't angry with them. I just felt badly. So that night, I went home and over the dinner table, I shared my day with my wife and I said, isn't it a shame somebody doesn't step up and help the unemployed? And she looked me square in the face and said, so what are you doing with the rest of your life? <laughs> so therefore, there is the beginning of passport to employment. Oh, man. That is a great story. <laughs> well, it happens to be true. So, <laughs> so I got to tell you, after listening to uh, all of that, I mean, starting with a military background and so on, I have to say that if there was one word that I could use in these few moments of our time together to describe you, it would be order. You really seem to be an orderly person in your in your own life, as well as helping other people to establish order through all the businesses that you've been with. Uh, would that be a summary judgment of where you've come I, from? I think that's a good description. Yeah. You like order. I like order. Yeah. Uh, this is something that's desperately necessary as human beings in God's creation, is that God made his world as a world of order. And so uh, the emphasis that we have is it shouldn't surprise us that we like order too. We don't like instability. We don't like anarchy, all of those kinds of things. Uh, set us at dismay. And, of course, when we lose a job or if a job is taken from us, then, of course, that displaces all the order as well. Well, let me make uh, make this connection then to uh, the issue of why we do what we do as Christians. And the very simple question is, as a Christian, why is it that you have this commitment? Well, num number one, there are a number of people that I, I respect and I listen to. And part of it is, let's start with the scripture. Hmm. Um if, if I go back and look at Luke and what Jesus said when he was talking about the Good Samaritan, and most people know that, and that really story is the fact that the priest and the Levite, or the businessman, hmm. uh, found or saw an individual who had been beaten and robbed. And, in, and so what he, they passed by. The question that the, or this thought process of the priest and the Levite was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? Hmm. It wasn't about him at all. And yet the Good Samaritan reversed the question. He said, if I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? Hmm. So you see whatever affects one directly uh, or indirectly does, we need to step forward and help others. Hmm. So I go, I go back to that. I think we're a, um, and I'm going to use some terminology that may or may not be familiar, but I think we're a starfish initiative. And really what that goes back to is, is a sto story about a man on a resort down in, in uh, Costa Rica who one morning got up early and was standing on the porch overlooking the Caribbean and saw this man throwing something back into the water and kept throwing and he was curious so he walked down to see that overnight there had been a storm and all thousands upon thousands of starfish were laying on the beach now in the sun certain to die hmm. and as a result he said to the man as he watched him throw another starfish back into the water saying what are you doing you can't possibly make a difference and the man turned, smiled at him, said, but I made a difference to that one. Hmm. And as a result, we take one person at a time. Hmm. 
and try to assist them in going, getting employment so they can take care of their families, mm. so that they can be productive and that they can find happiness in the Lord. Mm. This is a, a crucial concern for all of us, considering that uh, we do uh, are people of order and people of stability, and the help that we sometimes need has to come from outside of ourselves. So the connection to Luke is really powerful and important. In our first hour of the show, we were talking about Genesis and how God has made us for work and how important that is for us. And coming back to the issue of order again, all of us need some kind of stability that way. So it's really neat that the, these kinds of things are happening in and around Indianapolis. So tell us about uh, the partnerships that you have with churches and social agencies here uh, as it relates to the workforce that you're helping. Well, num number one, our focus is on employment or reemployment. And yet we recognize that there are other things that prevent people from mm. finding a new career. Mm. And you've got to take care of basics. So num number one, we partner, instead of developing our own, which mm. we could say, okay, we're going to put a food bank in the church. Right. When we have... 30 or 40 food banks around various parts of the city and we've identified them mm. we're constantly saying there's no shame in going to a food bank you can always pay it forward once you've got stability sure. uh, and a lot of times that's an obstacle they're mental I, oh I can't do that etc but the fact is don't deprive us of the opportunity to be mm. God's hands and feet by providing you with that next meal mm. right so we, we work with a lot of food banks. Uh, we work with a number of dental and mental, uh, dental and medical clinics mm. who will provide free service. Nice. So as an example, somebody's got an impacted tooth and they can't afford to have it extracted or a filling put mm. in it, we have some resources to send people to mm. those. Now, they're not going to do teeth cleaning. They're not going to do physicals, but they address specific needs for those folks. Uh, we work with mental health clinics. Mm. Don't have to be crazy to use them. The mm. fact is, is being unemployed is stressful. Oh my word. And and, and so as, as a result, we think sometimes they need some. A good share of the churches in this city have what are called Stephen ministers. Mm. It's one-on-one -on -one Christian mm. care. And so while Pat, we have um, Stephen ministers at Church at the Crossing, Sometimes they're more, if I have a Catholic, or I have a Baptist, or I have somebody with, and they are, they're, a, for some reason, afraid, we partner mm. with these other churches mm. by notifying them, and they get in touch with, and they assign a Stephen minister, mm. all right? We do clothing banks. There's Dress for Success mm. and Danny's Closet Hope, so one for women, one for men. Now, that's all done on referral, and it's based on need, mm. but... If you had been unemployed for six months, your shoot, your suits may have shrunk. Mm. In other words, you didn't get exercise, you haven't, you've been stressed, you've been using food, as, and so all of a sudden the clothes you don't fit, so you don't have anything to go and interview with. Or, in some cases, people don't have clothing to go to work in. Mm -hmm. All right? So, so we, we go through that. We use the Christian Neighborhood Legal Clinic. They'll do with almost everything except for mm. divorce. Mm. Um we have worked with four churches in the area who said, we want to do a passport to employment. Hmm. And in each case, one tried it, 
for six weeks and then came back and said, this is more comprehensive, uh-huh. more work, etc. And as I point out to the other churches who made that same decision before implementing, you cannot put somebody in charge that's a pastor. Because uh-huh. if there is somebody, number one, they don't have the background, right. but number two, if somebody is in the hospital, there's an emergency, they can't be there to run the program. Mm. All right. Mm. So, mm. as a result, if, if you call a number of churches and say, I'm unemployed, they will say to you, you need to go to Church at the Crossing and passport to employ. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fine. We're not there to take, right. steal people's members. We, right. We're providing a service and we don't care what their background. And we get, we've had people that are Muslim, we've had people that are Jewish, we've had people that are Buddhist. We have people who don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. And while we will pray for them, mm. we don't, we don't, as one person say, if I come, you're going to lay hands on me, and et cetera. And I, and, and, yeah. I, and, and I said, spiritually, yes, but no, we're not going to make you go, go, go through that. So mm. that's um, the kind of things that we're involved mm. That's a great summary statement. A wonderful opportunity, I think, for so many uh, folks around Indianapolis to know that this uh, this kind of help actually exists, and the fact that you know other churches are willing to say, yeah, you need to go to Church at the Crossing. That's a pretty cool thing, you know. And that whole issue of yeah, we're not going to lay hands on you. That's that's really good. So uh, this next question: How do your services put people on a path toward employment? How does that happen? Well, no, number one, we don't advertise. Okay. It's all done word of mouth, and that's. An interesting thing is is that, and I'm going to cite some figures, and then I'll address the question, sure. let you ask the question again. Sure. I think what the folks that are listening need to hear is that we have now placed 1,857 people wow. into a new full-time employment, mm. and another 2,300 plus, because they're hard to track, mm. into a bridge job. Now, that's mm. not construction. That's part-time, temporary, right. contract, yeah. or seasonal. So when we look at that, this this last year, we placed 274 people into a full-time career. That being said, that's over five per week. Man, that's a lot of folks. Yeah. Since our inception, we're talking about the 18th, we helped 1,857. We are now, um, since our inception, done three per week. So we're getting better and, Mm -hmm. and moving along. Because the church gives us space, and don't have to worry about utilities, mm-hmm. and of the 17 people we have, everybody's a volunteer, they get no compensation for this. Mm-hmm. The average cost over these 11 years is $8.45 to put a person back to work. My word. So I think folks need, what they need to hear is if they are unemployed, mm-hmm. they need to come see us. If they're underemployed, they need to come see us. And now we have about 20% of the group are people who are employed, but they don't like their jobs, whether that's the company atmosphere, whether it's the people they work for or with, it's all over the board. So some people say, I just need to improve myself. I've done this for 20 years. I don't want to do it anymore, all right? So those are the kind of people that that come, Mm. all right? So I'll let you ask the question. All right, so here's the question uh, for everybody listening the second time. How do your services put people on a path toward employment? Okay. 
we are number one we are a vehicle of hope all right and most people who come to us are discouraged they're down they're anxious etc so number one we will try to give them that hope and we do that that's why we keep track of numbers not the lord doesn't care we just need to about numbers he cares about individuals so we're not concerned about that but here, here here's what happens we do the following every monday night from seven to nine at church at the crossing we do a gathering at that gathering we have an employer chat that means somebody employer comes in and talks about job availability at their company we do uh, resource talks we talk about as we just did about food banks clothing banks etc um, we have do a job search tip of the week and then we have a speaker who speaks on and many times it's outside folks and if not is it one of our staff but we we get everything we talk talk about a specific subject that they need to on two but many people start and say well I need to have a resume and I don't know where to start so on Tuesday from 1.30 to 3.30, hmm. we do a workshop. Nice. Now it's actually four hours, but we do it two hours at segments because I get accused of trying to make them drink through a fire hose. Okay, <laughs> Too much in rain. So yes. we try to spread. Then on specifically on Wednesday night, we do a LinkedIn learning class hmm. because LinkedIn is the number one resource that talent yep. acquisition managers and... Um, HR managers and yep. recruiters are using. So we need, and it's not a matter of just putting it up, but how do I use it in order to network, right? right? And then on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday mornings, we do support or accountability groups. Mm. And we don't do them all on campus. So we do one at work one in Noblesville on Wednesday. On Tuesday, we're at Community North Heart Hospital, mm. which also has valet parking, but most of our people don't use it. Um, and we just kid about that and we just think that's fun and then on Friday morning we have one at the Haverstick which is our cafe and convention center or conference center and then we also have one starting on this January 17th at work one in Plainfield hmm. All right. you're expanding oh yes okay so um, that's th those are the opportunity then there are 17 of us 11 of which our career counselors and everybody the Lord has gifted us all differently so I have an individual and family counselor who gives every Monday mm. to the program and meets with somebody for an hour sometimes it's as couples sometimes it's with uh, children sometimes it's with individuals so it depends upon what their need or what their problem right. is all right I have a financial planner he's not there to sell you and sell you anything, <laughs> right? In fact, he said I, every time, I'm not going to do that. My objective is is so you don't have health insurance, you don't know how to pay bills. Let's look. Do you have equity in your house? Let's. You have a. You can draw on life insurance policies and many things that people don't think about. Right. I have an attorney, and he will help you work through some things that might be legal issues as, as a result. Um, I have one person who spent 25 years with the state work one office as a counselor. 
she said, I don't want to do this for a living anymore. I'm retired, but I miss it. So I want to give back. So, hmm. so she does that. I have a um, individual who is a retired recruiting firm owner, well-connected, etc. And currently, since our inception, we have four people. Three got together and wrote a book. Hmm. All right. It is now out on Amazon. Nice. And another one wrote one. So the latest latest book. It's not about you. It's about them. Nice. Which means you need to get the attention of the hiring manager. Uh -huh. And it's not about you. So so we we provide a lot of one on one counseling. So if somebody calls me, <clears throat> they they have a problem, and I think somebody else is better equipped. I know that, and I can refer them. Now it doesn't mean that I won't meet with them also, but. We're doing that. Yeah, you have a great team, it sounds like. We're going to be uh, taking a one-song break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Earl Hart, Passport to Employment out of the Church of the Crossing. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be back after one song. And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you on Wednesday mornings and... Uh, we have interviews with folks from in and around Indianapolis who are doing good. Uh, the emphasis, of course, out of Titus chapter 3, 1, 8, and 14, the focal point of this radio show for the last three years. And today we have ha the, uh, the distinct privilege of having somebody who's been at this, uh, this thing, not a radio program, but employment program, for 10-plus years. Earl Hart is here with us from Passport to Employment out of Church of the Crossing. If you have needs in that way, uh, connect with these folks here in Indianapolis, Church of the Crossing, Earl Hart, Pass to, Passport to Employment. Uh, Earl, uh, we gave a lot of good information here in the first 20-plus minutes of our program. And as we talked off air, we were suggesting some of the things that uh, might be helpful to people to know. What, what are some of the specific steps, some of the practical nature of how do you go about finding a job and and what are some of the pitfalls that you might uh, get into? So why don't you just kind of give us an overview of that? How do people, what, are, what should people be looking for when they go apply for a job? Well, the, to start with, you need, we find many people don't know themselves. Mm. They have done one thing and they don't see themselves doing anything else. And sometimes things mm. get antiquated, mm. all right? Uh, they're being phased out. So you don't want to be hired into a job that in five years may not be there. Mm. We're trying to help people find careers, mm. all right? So you, we, we will assist people in sitting down and looking at their transferable skills, things mm. they might not see in themselves, but others do, mm -hmm. all right? Um, the second thing is, is Forbes magazine, which is pretty reliable in business, says that 87% of good jobs, other than entry level, all right, come through some form of networking. Uh -huh. That means it's talking to people and saying, does your company have openings? If I fill out a resume, will you take it in for me? Mm. Now, as an employer, I'm always interested in hiring somebody that somebody else refers to me because I know they'll do the job because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm there to stand behind them and to push them, and I won't recommend somebody that's lazy mm. or undependable mm. and et cetera. So it's a matter of getting out, out mm. there. So if you're spending more than 13% of your time sitting behind the computer filling out 
looking at job boards, etc., um, I think you're in trouble. Mm. All right. So what we what I'm ad addressing is a, a, a couple of things when it when it comes to networking. Let me give some simple things. Num number one, everybody that we work with has a cell phone. Mm. Therefore, they have a voice message. Mm. And when somebody calls recruiter, talent acquisition manager, personnel department calls, they want to know that they dialed right. Mm -hmm. So number one, at minimum, it needs to say, in my case, hello, you've reached Earl Hart. But that's not really good enough. What ought to be said is, if I'm unemployed, is, hello, you've reached Earl Hart. I'm currently out seeking a new career. And when I return from my job search, I'll be more than happy to return the call. That's great. Please leave a name, number, and a brief message and have a nice day. That means everybody who calls you is going to know you're looking. So when you call them back, guess what the first thing they want to talk about, no matter what it is they called you about. Mm. The other advantage is telemarketers don't call back. <laughs> Second, secondly, almost everybody has an email. Mm. All right, You need a job search email. Hmm. All right, one that is professional. Go on phishing at gmail.com is not the right <laughs> message you want to leave. All right, so it's nor normally name or, or number. So, hmm. in my case, if there's another Earl Hart, it might be one Earl Hart. Mm -hmm. All right, um, the less numbers and letters I put in, the easier it is for the person who's going to send you that email to do. So I don't want Alexander Budenbomsky1217 <laughs> at Gmail, all right? So um, I want to shorten, shorten that up. So with your email, you most people don't use but have available by going to options in the upper right-hand corner, clicking on and going to signature hmm. to type in their name, their phone number, their email, their LinkedIn account URL, and in bold print, one font larger, seeking employment as a, in my case, career coach. Hmm. All right? That means every time I send out an email, and that's automated, now I hit enter. So every email hmm. I send out is going to have that information. Hmm. Number one, they can see, they know how to get in touch with me multiple ways. Number two, they see what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So you see, what did that cost hmm. anybody? And yet you're getting the word out. If you go into a coffee shop or a place that serves lunch, you'll be, you won't be surprised to see people wearing name tags. Hmm. Their businesses have them. So my question is, is why aren't you wearing a name tag? And in this case, it's your name. And then it says seeking employment as an in bold print, whatever that job title hmm. is. Okay. So we had somebody who was resistant finally did that one evening after our Monday night class and went in hmm. to buy some milk or something at the grocery store. The cashier looked up and said, I see you're in bank management. He hmm. said, yes, I got laid off when PNC was bought out by, uh, or pardon me, National. Anyway, they forget now, but anyway, one was bought out by the other. She said, that's interesting. My husband works for Fifth Third bank and they're opening two new branches and he thinks they're going to promote two people that aren't ready and he said I hate to see them go in and fail because they're uh -huh. good people 
and the person was wearing the name tag from Passport said, and his name and phone number is, and three weeks later, he's the new branch manager for oh my. Fifth Third Bank. So mm. I'm what I'm sharing with you is is that that didn't cost you because you can sit in front of your computer right. and, and make out a small name tag. You're not having to go and spend third. The other thing is if I'm networking with folks and I'm meeting them, whether that's in church, whether that that's I've got kids that, that mm. play basketball and I'm sitting with other parents. I need a business card with my resume on the back. And people say, what? <laughs> I got a two page resume. How do I get on the back? We will show you that. But what happens is, is that if I go to recommend you and I don't know you very well, now I have pertinent information to make you valuable to the person I'm talking to. So there, there are just four steps. The other thing people need to know is, is that if you're working with a company over two has over 200 employees, they're all using an applicant tracking system. It is a computer program that reviews your resume. You will be surprised if you're just starting into job search, how many companies won't take a hard copy of your resume. They want you to submit it online. So let me give you an example. The job description says, we want somebody proficient in um, Excel and PowerPoint. So you say, well, I do it all. I do Access and Outlook. So I put that I'm proficient in Microsoft Office Suite and I just got eliminated. Because mm -hmm. the computer's looking for two words, Excel and PowerPoint. If the, word, if the phrase mm -hmm. says we're looking for people with proficiencies mm -hmm. in, I need to use the plural rather than the singular, otherwise I get eliminated. Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of things that we've discovered that we teach and show people to do that. Everybody that's turning in a resume, not filling out an application, but turning a resume, needs to be customized. You need to list all the words they use and feed them back those words so that the computer gets you and sends it to somebody that's human that gets in front. All right? Yeah. So it's a different world out there in finding jobs. Now, somebody may be listening and say, but I want to be a cashier at Kroger or another grocery store. Mm -hmm. The fact is, when you go in, you're going to fill out, you're going to submit it electronically. You aren't going to, they're not going to accept the hard copy. Mm. All right? Mm. And, and some, sometimes, depending on the words that are put into that applicant tracking system, etc., Sometimes they're very vague if I'm looking for a bagger and I don't really care so long as they can breathe and, and walk and smile, all right? But, but when we're looking at careers, that's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that you use the same ter terminology. Right. Yeah. So, so, again, what we're going to do is to teach mm. people the system. Mm. We're not a placement service, even though if you go to our website, which is www.golove.com, G-O-L-O-V-E dot org backslash passport. Mm. You'll find all our activities and events that we talked about already. Mm -hmm. You'll also find that every Monday afternoon we publish a job board. This mm. week's is 20 pages over 250 companies wow. who have come to us and said, can we help them fill these positions? Wow. Last but not least, we have people that are listening from around the country. So if you go to our website, which is golove.org backslash passport, at the bottom of the page is a 66-page job search guidebook. Wow. It is what we teach. It is downloadable. 
Hmm. We did that for you folks that can't come on Monday night and attend our workshops and in our accountability groups hmm. because we are interested in helping anybody that has a need. So our vision really is to help people overcome their obstacles and meet their needs in their employment search. It's fantastic that this is a north, south, east, and west connection here and that it, you don't have to necessarily live in Indianapolis to get these, these good principles. That's a really good thing. Well, let's, let me move on to another question that, that uh, helps perhaps others get a sense of what's going on here, uh, and that is that uh, this issue of uh, getting folks involved either as volunteers or if uh, they want to participate in a way like you have uh, started as a retired person who just wants to help. Uh, are there ways for those folks to become involved in Passport? Um. The answer to that is, is yes. However, let me do, do some clarification. Right now, there are 17 people on volunteer staff. Of those 17 people, only three are members of Church at the Crossing, mm -hmm. which means we have reached out to people that have specific skills mm. and backgrounds, and then they must go through an extensive training program because we cannot... As I started and said, I don't know anything about career counseling, and I had to learn the process and research it, I don't want somebody coming in and said, well, in my opinion, we ought to do this, which is contrary mm -hmm. to what we're teaching someplace else. Then, then these folks don't know what to do. And we know we're on the right path based on the number of people that we have placed in employment. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we're open to that. There also has to be a need. I talked about four accountability groups that meet in the mornings. We have some people that work underemployed that really need a support group. So I might be open to take somebody in after they go through six to eight weeks of training with us and attending all our activities, etc. then let them lead or facilitate a accountability group at night if that is their something they want to do right so you know we're we're not as open to that um i'm more than happy to share the materials we talked about right um and what we do with with any church or other organization um we we know that uh, right now that uh, we had um, fred Payne, who is the commissioner for workforce development for the state in and spoke to us mm. and he and his staff are more are interested in seeing what we're doing. Uh, I was in touch with the regional director for Senator Braun um, here yesterday. They're, they're saying, we've noticed that you're having some success. We'd be interested in knowing what, That's great. what you're doing. So, you know, we're, we're there to reach out and help anybody that wants that help. I will also tell you that we have three universities in, in this state that are using some of the materials mm. that are in our 66-page job search guide as part of their um, career-building area. And, and we're more than happy to share. This, you know, this isn't about us. Right. It's about sharing God's love and making people productive. One of the things that's uh, true about this radio station is that right after this show, uh, we have the Ten Point Coalition come in. The Ten Point Coalition uh, is a group of pastors and church leaders in and around Indianapolis 
who is actually striking back against violence in the streets uh, in the sense that they walk the streets and they're a preventative for violence in the streets. Well, what's happened with Ten Point is that now people in Kentucky and Ohio and Boston and all over the place want Ten Point to come to them and say, what have you been doing? It sounds very much like something that could happen with Passport to Employment. Well, our, our hope is, is that what we do that we can share. Yes. On the other hand, I'm not sure that we're going to have the kind of success and national notoriety that Five Point Coalition has, but that that's okay. We applaud them for what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So anytime we can get the word out in one way or another uh, about what we're doing and about the good that's happening is a, a good thing. Uh, we, we have about five minutes uh, left here, and I wanted to make sure uh, to, to emphasize uh, the church again, and I, by that I mean capital T, capital C, uh, the important participant in helping people with their jobs. I mean, you, you and I both know that uh, jobs are really important to people, work is important to people, fulfillment in life is important to people. How do you see that connection biblically, theologically, from a Christian vantage point, uh, how do you see that connection with folks? People need to trust the Lord, hmm. all right? And sometimes that's in many circumstances, you know, Lord, have you abandoned me, yeah. you know? And is, is if we are in his word, hmm. we will see that he is faithful, hmm. you know? I, I go back uh, with a short story about that amazes me that um, the people of Israel were told to what? Go walk around the city of Jericho, mm. right? Yep. Do you think that they were discouraged on day five? <laughs> out, you know, first day they walked around, the second day they walked around, there was revolt. They're saying, you've got to be nuts. Why are we out here blowing horns and nothing's happening? <laughs> But but if but if you if if you believe, uh, he has said that I have a plan for you, mm. and I think that and I have seen it time and time again. Mm. We are not we we don't necessarily cross, uh, proselyze, mm. right? We're not that that's not our emphasis. But what we find is many many people who come end up bringing their, mm. we either hear they've gone to church with their family or they are now bringing them to church and they are being introduced to, to Jesus Christ mm. so that he too might be their personal savior. Mm. So, you know, I want to be his hands and feet. This is not about me, never has been about me. This is, this is about sharing God's love with the folks that need mm. it and are in a situation of, frankly, desperation in many right. cases. Emphasis is always on others. That's the crucial issue. So uh, just as we uh, kind of land this plane and end our program here today, uh, what would you say would be the last thing you want the audience to hear from you? What, is the, what are the last words you want them to hear? That's, uh, I've, I've said and I've shared a lot. I would tell you that if they are local, Passport to Employment is there to assist them mm. in meeting over, helping them overcome their obstacles and meet their needs. Mm. If they are outside the area, we are available by phone. We also provide the materials that are there. Mm. 
we want you to know that Christ cares. Hmm. He loves you. And he has is sending his people to reach out to you hmm. to help you. Give us that website one more time. That's www.golove.org backslash passport. Hmm. All the information you need is available online. Very good. You have been listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNX.tv at the Cool Groove site. We've been privileged to have Earl Hart share with us today from Passport to Employment, of the church of a church at the crossing here in Indianapolis, and we're grateful that not only do they serve this local area, but of course uh, anybody listening to us anywhere can go to this website and garner the information that's there, uh, download uh, the packets, the information that uh, is available to them uh, to help them in this process of finding work. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, next week we have uh, the president of Right to Life coming to join us next week. You'll hear his interview at 11 o'clock next week on this radio station, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And uh, we'll be talking about and promoting the emphasis on pro-life uh, week, the week after, which is the 22nd of January, uh, the uh, awfulness of Roe v. Wade. And we, uh, we're going to be talking to the president of Right to Life next week about that. Uh, we come to you every Wednesday. We're looking forward to next week and all the weeks in, in uh, the future to come. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.